to the Lonely Writers Podcast, where we discuss the very real and often overlooked emotional labor that comes with the writing process before, during, and even after the book deal. I'm your host, Eden Boudreaux, and today I get to chat with best-selling author Amy Jones, whose first novel, We're All in This Together, has been adapted into a feature film. Amy's work has always strayed a little outside the lines, and it's exactly what makes it so beautiful. She is also a far-from-home maritimer, like myself, originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and now living in Hamilton with her partner and pup, Iggy. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Amy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Eden. (laughs) This is so exciting. So your novels are, honestly, I would say some of the first kind of more what I would consider more kind of literary Canadian fiction that I ever really got into, Um, which is kind of sad because I feel like there's always been such a brilliant community of it, but it's never really been marketed. Right. And what I always loved about yours though, is that it, it brought the stories to a new kind of generation, like a relatable generation. Like when you've got these characters who are, in such you know they're so exciting and they're so dimensional and they're so kind of dark and gritty it it pulls you in to that kind of world what made you you know a lot of people I guess maybe would probably start out a little softer with their first (laughs) novels (laughs) something maybe more commercial something you know that kind of thing what made you want to kind of dive headfirst into these kind of uh more you know, taboo or outside the line stories? Um, That's a really great question. And I think there's, there's probably a few reasons. Um, One is I really just, um, you know, like many authors, I would say, I really just like to write um, a, like what I like to read. (laughs) And, um, you know, I found that like, there wasn't, there wasn't too many books where I saw myself, in the characters um you know I haven't really had the most traditional life and you know I've sort of you know experienced things that maybe other people haven't um and I you know I really felt like um it was important to me to sort of you know get my experience across to readers um especially growing up in Halifax as you mentioned like a lot of the literature that I was reading that was coming out of the Maritimes um a lot of you know really really spectacular work but a lot of it revolved around sort of more of a rural experience. Um, You know, there was a lot of fishing and fiddlers and, you know, that kind of thing. And that wasn't my experience. I grew up in Halifax. I I think of myself as growing up in a city, you know, I uh, rode transit and I hung out in front of the library, (laughs) you know, all those things. Um, And, you know, I just, I wasn't seeing that side of, of Halifax being represented and like sort of those experiences of being a teenager growing up there in the nineties, especially. Um, so that's sort of where my short fiction began when I started writing short fiction, I really wanted to sort of represent my own experience and, and write about the place that I loved like through my own eyes. Um, and then when I started um, moving on to longer pieces, like um, when I first started, well, we're all in together is my first published novel. <laughs> Right. Not my first novel. Um, it never is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you know, I, that that was that sort of carried over in the sense that you know I wanted to write about 
um, you know, people, and that that's always been my main focus is is character. And you know, I everything that I write comes out of originally thinking of a character and what they how they would behave in certain situations, who they who they are, and like, you know, the further that I um, that I got into writing writing novels, you know, I sort of I took that idea of like wanting to represent a place that meant something to me through my own experience into Orleans together because it's set in Thunder Bay where I was living at the time. Um, but I also wanted to represent the experience of people who were living there in a contemporary world <laughs> um, right. because, because to me that's that's exciting to me. That's what I want to read. I want to read about people, uh, you know, I know like a lot of people read to like escape their lives and of, of course we all do that but for me the interesting thing is reading about, um, you know, people who are uh, living in the same world as me, but like making different decisions and going in different directions and just sort of exploring what, you know, what different paths everyone is taking in, in their lives. And, and so that's sort of where that comes from. I think for me, like, I really just, I really just like to write this sort of stuff that I want to read and I want to read stuff that's fun, but also, um, uh, you know, authentic, I guess is, is yeah. the word. Yeah. Also relatable, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like it's wonderful to read things that like take you to another world and like give you that escapism, but it's so beautiful to read things that are like, it's almost like a mirrored experience, except not quite. Like it's just enough removed from your experience for it to be comfortable and not traumatizing, but it's so relatable. It, It gave me very like, um, what is that? Oh, perks of being a wallflower. Oh yeah. Like vibes, <laughs> like that kind of like, it's, it's a little like out there more than our experience, but it is kind of that like almost suburban city kid, you know, lost in kind of almost that middle muddle of adolescence where like, you're not young, but you're not an adult. Like you're just kind yes. of stuck in the middle. To yeah. me, that's like the most interesting day like the like I think that so many people you know especially with um you know teenage girls or like young women like people really discount their experience a lot and they don't um they don't really um you know think of them as having these like you know really full lives full of um really great ideas and passion and and I just I for me that stage of life is so like just ripe for like great stories so I I tend to really um, I think every book that I've written has had at least one perspective from from that from that young point of view because I think it's really I think it's really important to like you know um, not discount that perspective just because you know someone might be young or someone might be a a, a woman it's it's not um, you know what we see and how we experience the world is, uh, you know, just as significant and just as important as anyone else. So right. um, I really, I, I find, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just so like, I feel like teenage girls will just save the world. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think what I love too, is that it's, you're also showing the, it's not, it, it's important not to discount them just because they don't have this like wildly Hollywood storyline adolescence as well. And it's like, I, I love I love the explosion of YA. I love that this has become a genre. I love seeing all of these stories told, but it really feels like to me that unless your character has this like Cinderella-esque Hollywood, you know, character arc, it's not, the stories aren't getting sold. But 
I, maybe it's just because I probably grew up at the same time as you in kind of that like breakfast club, like nineties era where it's like, (laughs) I just love seeing the stories of like just regular teenagers who are just like, so like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Lost in that middle. And then they go on to do, you know, these exceptional things and look back at that time and see how it really formed them as humans. I love that perspective. It's so wonderful. That's great. And I I like, you know, to hear you say that it's relatable because I really think that, you know, for me, that's the really exciting thing about fiction and, and, you know, creating these characters in a fictional world is that, you know, you're not, um, you're not really beholden to, to facts, right? So you can, um, so I think in some ways, you know, fiction is able to reveal truths that, you know, nonfiction can't necessarily, um, I mean, in different ways, obviously. Um, But one of the things that, you know, is always in the forefront of my mind is that like, no matter who we are, and no matter, you know, whether we're living, you know, in Canada, or like another country around the world, whether we're in a different time period, even if we're in a different, like actual universe, um, the way that, um, we react and the way that we, uh, you know, sort of move through the world that, you know, there's always common ground that we can find. And I think, you know, that to me is the exciting thing about fiction is I can read about someone whose life is incredibly different from my own and actually like relate to the things that they're feeling and the things that they're going through. And I think, you know, um, setting because I do set, you know, all my fiction in sort of the contemporary world, um, you know, it's, it's a, it is a little bit easier to relate in that way. But in that, in that respect, I think like, I, I like to think that, you know, people will be able to read my books and say, okay, well, you know, now I understand like what that person might be feeling. And like, just being able to create that empathy in people is really important to me. Um, you know, so many of my stories uh, stem from, you know, me just sort of being out in the world and looking around and saying, okay, this is, what is that person thinking right now? What are, you yeah. know, what is their life like? And I'm really interested in that. And I really want to sort of uh, help other people be interested in that too, I guess. Right, exactly. So then let's take it back then. Where did that kind of start? Is that something that was, you know, since you were a little babushka and you picked up a book and you were like, this is what I'm going to do. Did it come later on in life? When did you know that that's what you wanted to do? Um, It sort of came, I would say, in fits and starts. Like when I was really young, I wasn't one of those writers who, you know, I often hear like writers say like, oh, I was reading when I was like one year old. I was not, I was not, I was not an early reader. I had no interest in books when I was young. Um, and uh, yeah, I couldn't read until like maybe grade one or grade two or something like that. Mm-hmm. And really still wasn't, we didn't have really a lot of my books in my house. Um, but I, I started writing probably soon after, like when I was really young, I was writing uh, stories because I really felt like my life was super boring. <laughs> and, um, I really wanted to like, you know, imagine this life outside of my own. And, you know, once I started reading and I started realizing like, this is a way to like go into other lives. Um, one of the things I used to do is like, um, you know, when you're reading a book, there's those like blank pages at the very back of the book. And I always assumed that those were there to uh, write your own ending for the book if you didn't like the ending <laughs> that was there. So, so many of my books as, as a child would have me like writing alternate endings to things in those, in those blank pages at the end. So that's sort of where I started um, writing, just sort of being you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a really social person and I, you know, I liked having friends as a kid and I liked playing, but like, I also had this like inner world that I just didn't know what to do with. And, 
Um, I actually, you know, I'd start writing stories um, just to like imagine a more exciting life. I started really getting into because my my mom was really into soap operas <laughs> so <laughs> I would watch soap operas with her after school and I was so obsessed with like the story and like the lives and everything was so glamorous yes. so a lot of my early stories are like that they're they're very <laughs> like there's a lot of like drama and uh glamour and and or at least what my mind perceived of as drama and I glamour when I was it. like in grade five um and yeah I, I continued to to write um but I never really thought of it as something that I wanted to do as a career I just thought okay well you know I'm I I'm okay at at, like writing is how I'm able to express myself and you know I anything that was was written like in school I generally did okay with but um I wasn't a school person (laughs) I um I what yeah I really did not like school I didn't do that great in school um you know I went I started I got pretty boy crazy when I was in, in high school. So, As you know, most of us did. for everything. <laughs> um, and then because, again, you know, I think I think one of the things about, about writing that, you know, for someone like me, I found very challenging was the solitariness of it, like just sitting down and being alone and writing. Um, so I ended up actually going into theater <laughs> after oh, okay. high school. I, you know, I loved the, you know, I just like, it was so much fun. I'm around people all the time and we're playing these games and, um, you know, I really, really loved that. And, but then of course, you know, like everything else, once you start to get more serious about it, it becomes a little bit less fun, (laughs) a little bit more work. Yeah. You start to realize the realities of it. And, uh, so I was at, um, I was at Dal, I was doing the acting program there and I realized, I don't think that this is the life for me. (laughs) I can't imagine (laughs) myself like, you know, going out on auditions constantly. And, and, uh, you know, I don't, I've never been the type of person who deals well with being told, uh, where to be somewhere at, or right. like having to do things. So, um, you know, ha- think, thinking about like, oh my gosh, every night I would have to be like at a theater or whatever. <laughs> like, um, so I started to think back about, you know, what, um, what I used to love to do. And I was like, you know, I've, I've, I was still always writing, um, and so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just see where this goes. And I started writing a little bit more seriously, um, after, so it's like probably like early twenties when I got back into it. Um, and you know, I, I was not, I, I get like, I'm a slow learner, not a quick study in any way. My process is painstakingly long. So, you know, for the first little while I was really bad. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I started, you know, taking courses here and there. I took courses at the, um, Writers Federation of Nova Scotia. And uh, then eventually after a while I started, you know, I got my very first publication in a lit mag and, yes. and uh, went on to do my um, MFA at UBC. And that was sort of when, when it really opened up for me where I was like, okay, this is, this is something that I'm really going to try to pursue as a career. So um, it was a really gradual thing. I, you know, I was never like one of those people who's like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. Um, and, but, uh, you know, it was more like, as I got older, I started to realize not only what I, what it is that I actually enjoy doing and like that, you know, I loved writing, but also the kind of life I imagined myself having, like, right. Not having to go to a nine to five job, um, you know, being okay with, you know, 
cobbling things together in order to make yeah. money um, as we all do, you know, freelance and teaching and whatever, all, all those other things. Um, so yeah, imagining that like, this is, yes, this is the life that I can have and a life that I can sustain um, and sort of putting those two things together, the thing that I love and the life mm. that I want. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that though, because I, what one of the things I loved so far about doing this podcast is just getting to hear everyone's different origin stories yeah. because I think we've been really like force fed this kind of narrative of either you have been you know passionate about being a writer since like you said you were you were one and <laughs> you went right into it or you just had this miraculous career that just kind of like jumped off. And the fact is, is like, it's really not like that for a lot of people. There's so many people that kind of, it comes in trickles in, you know, we're almost where we can be fitted into our lives as our lives keep going until we're finally in a place that this is like, okay, now this can be like my full-time thing. And that is, unfortunately, it's like the reality, I think for most people is, you know, you're going to be doing a part-time job probably up until like your second book. (laughs) Yeah. At least. (laughs) Yeah. At least. Yeah. So I think it's it's really nice to hear that, you know, that, that you are still such a successful author. You're still able to live this life that you want to live, you know, while understanding that this, you know, this is the reality of it is that sometimes it's a slow burn and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely tried to sort of make it my mission to demystify that as much as possible (laughs) because I, you know, I do teach and I, I do a lot of mentoring as well. And I think a lot of people have like, it, it really like blows my mind how little people talk about the realities of being a writer, um, you know, the financial realities, but also, you know, the, just the mental day-to-day realities of it. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I see a lot with my students is they come in and they think, you know, you're either going to be good at it or bad at it. And right. that is just not true. <laughs> um, I was, you know, and so I, I try to like explain to people how bad I was at the beginning, like really, really bad. I just didn't get it. It didn't click <laughs> in. But, you know, I put it, I, I, I did know how to find out how to be better at it. You know, I read right. a lot at that point. Like I started thinking, what is it that I want to read? And I, or to, what is it that I want to write? And started reading those types of things. Like short stories at the time was a big thing for me. I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to write a short story, but I probably hadn't read a contemporary Canadian short story like ever, maybe since, right. since high school. And then when I started reading, I was like, oh, okay, like this is a whole world of things that I don't understand. And like, so I started taking courses because I, you know, again, I was able to, like, that was a real privilege for, you know, my situation to be able to go take these courses, um, to be able to have that, you know, safety net as well. Um, right. You know, coming from like a, you know, middle-class background with parents who aren't going to let me starve to death if, if, yeah. you know, <laughs> if I don't get my freelance paycheck. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, it is a real, it's a real privilege to, you know, have been able to, to mm-hmm. take that route. And I know a lot of people can't, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the things I think, you know, aside from the financial aspect of it that stops people is that idea that like you have talent or you don't have talent right and discounting um you know the actual work that goes into it so I like to really because I think from the outside especially like with social media and stuff like that like what we see is the successes of people so we don't see the work that goes into it behind and the years of you know, not publishing things in the year, those desk drawer novels that you have that, yes, you, exactly. that don't get published, all of those things. So I, I, I try to talk about that as much as possible, because I think it's really important for people to know that, yeah, like I don't sit down and like wait for the muse to come to me and like, Mm-mm. you know, I, no. 
I, I sometimes I do, sometimes I have those moments and those are the moments we, we do it for, right. We do it for those moments where we get into that flow state and we're so excited about what we're writing, but like, that's maybe 5% of the time for me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't carry you through the whole book. And I want to touch on two things that you said there. I want to circle back to, you made a really great point about, you know, people thinking either we're, we're great or we're, you know, you're, you're a writer or you're not a writer. And I agree that it's like, you know, I do think that you're born with a certain storytelling gene, but it does, it's like a muscle. It takes practice and it takes exposure. And I agree. I think it's also, comes down to a lot of the time of like what you're exposed to. And I know when I was growing up, you know, you mentioned not having a lot of books in your house. And it's like, I remember I had books, but they were like my mom's books. So it was like Terry Pratchett and like, you know, all of, all of this kind of stuff. And the libraries were really the place that I got to find what was that I enjoyed writing or reading, but even still, like you said, I don't think I read a short story that wasn't like Joan Didion, which is amazing, yeah. but not necessarily what I would write. I don't think I got to read those things until I was in my 20s because yes. I simply didn't have access to them or they didn't exist or they weren't around. And so I always say, to writers that we start off writing what we read, but we need to learn how to write what we want to write. And that's when you find your voice is when you differentiate yourself from all of the influences influences that you've had over the years and you find your own voice. Then it's like that even more than skill, all of a sudden you're just going to blossom as a writer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of time people do start out emulating writers that they admire, especially when, you know, you do get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm going to start discovering things on my own and, you know, not just what I'm reading in school or not just what my parents read or whatever. When you start discovering stuff, like when I first started reading, you know, contemporary Canadian short fiction when I started around the time that I you know started writing it and doing my MFA and I I was just like I want to write like this (laughs) so I would I would kind of copy all these different styles or like you know crib structures from people and stuff like Mm. that and but then it was like over the years I started to you know sort of learn to like take the things as inspiration that served me but also be able to um put my own vision on them um and yeah and I think so but I think like that is I mean a lot of people are really scared of that I think they're scared of of copying people or like you know um sort of copying someone's voice or whatever but I think it's 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 a very common way to sort of um you know get your foot into the pool kind of thing and test out those waters is is by um, emulating the writers that you admire and no matter even if you think it's like exactly the same it's not like it's it's still being filtered through your own perspective and your own vision so even as a as a beginning writer um you know those similarities aren't going to be I mean unless you're like actually stealing a story yeah you don't want to be copying you know there's no no no, exactly I mean but influence and copying are two different things exactly well and especially in an industry where the the industry is just flooded so it's like you have to stand on your own you Mm -hmm. know you have to stand out you have to have a unique voice to even to even get on a be a blip on the radar you know but I it does make me think of like you know now I'm thinking of like all of 
of these uh, fan fiction uh, communities that have popped up in the last five, 10 years that are so successful. And it's like, I think it's kind of that. It's like, well, okay, someone's done the hard work of all the plots and things like that. Now I can kind of just use this as a practice to create voice and and narrative. And um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that you're going to get there. It's nobody, I really don't believe that anybody starts off the jump with these, you know, really dimensional and, and intuitive, you know, voices that are just like, everybody's got to flush it out. Everybody has to practice it and find it, you know, so you'll get there. And then, you know, like you said, even when you do, even when you get to that place where all you can find your muse, you can, you know, your voice, that is like a tenth of a percent of writing a book you know it is there is so much more time that we spend inside our head (laughs) trying to like flesh everything out and pull out everything and then rearrange it on the page that you know I do believe that there is so much skill involved in writing a book but there's just so much more practice like yeah organization and practice and determination because it's so easy to want to give up. Hey there, lonely writers. You'll have to excuse the interruption, but we have something very exciting to share with you that we just couldn't wait till the end of the episode for. For a while now, we have been teasing the possibility of weekly minisodes, and now we are happy to announce they are finally coming, along with many other perks to be included in the members-only Lonely Writers community that we are creating. More details on that soon. In our minisodes, I will be answering your most burning questions relating to the writing journey. Everything from how to conquer imposter syndrome, where to hide and write when the kids are running rampant, and how to prioritize your projects and practice. Every so often, we will even have a surprised guest appearance from one of our past authors. Starting July 5th, minisodes will be released every Tuesday for members of the community, with the first two episodes posted as free teasers on the main feed. We are so excited to finally grow our community even further. And if you have a question that you would like answered, please send it to the Lonely Writers Podcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the thing is I, I definitely believe that, you know, perseverance is really the biggest, uh, most important trait a writer can have because, you know, I, there's so many things that you have to persevere through as a writer, like not only the, the slog of the actual writing and, and, you know, fleshing things out, but also the, you know, years of rejection, which can really be, or even like the potential of that. Like I, you know, I know people who are really, really amazing writers who have never published anything because they've never tried because they just know that it's going, you know, that they have, that that's a natural part of the process, really. Like no one gets anything accepted immediately. Like you have to go through that. Um, so, you know, I, that's another thing that I like to talk a lot about with emerging writers is that that is part of the process and every writer that, you know, has gone through that. And it is so completely subjective. Um, that's the other part yes. is that like, you getting rejected by an editor or a con you're not winning a contest or you're um, not getting your you know short story published or whatever it might be 
or you're not getting the agent that you want, whatever it's, you know, there's so many factors that are involved in it and your talent and your ability as a writer and this power of your manuscript is such mm. a tiny part of that. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is. Um, so, you know, hundred percent, if you can like flip your perspective to think of it that way, um, you know, rejection does become a little bit easier because if you can, if you can like divorce your, your ego from it, I guess, or you can like remove yourself from that, taking it personally, um, then it, it does become easier to move through. Like now I don't even really think about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's going to hurt now and then, especially when it's something oh, yeah. that's like really, really, you're like really, really want, but Absolutely. I, I've tried and I have like, I have a pride that is so sensitive. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So like I can get my feelings hurt so easily, but generally I'm doing it to myself, (laughs) but it is one of those things that I've had to flip it to be thinking that a rejection is just my opportunity for something better because, you know, I always, I like to tell the story of how with my memoir, um, I had pitched it at a pitch event and, um, I was talking to this fantastic agent. I was so, I was like, oh my God, this would be the dream. And she was really pushing for me, you know, get together a proposal for me. I think this would be amazing. Spent months, months putting together this proposal, brought it to her. And she was like, "Mm, no, it's just not something I want on my deck right now. And she was fantastic about it, lovely about it. She even responded, which is, I mean, an yeah. anomaly in, in and of itself. <laughs> but I, it hurt so bad. And I was just so like, just just like, okay, well, this is it. And encouraged my friends to keep sending it out, sent it out to a couple more agents, no responses, nothing. And then maybe four months later, I got the cojones up because I almost got to that place where I was like, okay, fine. You know what? If you're going to reject me, who cares then? What's the worst they're going to say? No, they've already said no. (laughs) So who cares? And, you know, and I actually slid into the DMs of my publisher on Instagram and said, look, I have this book. I want to send it to you. A couple months later, signing my first book deal. So, you know, it's like things. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, again, that's not, you know, everyone's experience, but if we just think of it as sometimes those rejections are, opportunities to wait for the better option or something that's a better fit for you then you know like you said it's not as bad yeah that's that's I like that you said a better fit because I think that that's a really important thing that a lot of people forget about especially when they're um, on submission to agents is you know this is a working relationship that you're going to have to have you know, hopefully for your career, like, you know, I've had the same agent since the beginning of my career and, you know, it, it does become a relationship. You have to work with this person. So, you know, it's a two-way street. A lot of times people just like go out there and they're like, I just want anybody. Um, but like <laughs> you have to, which I mean, I totally also get. And like now, like, I think this, especially right now, things are really tough. There's, you know, everybody's being a lot more cautious because of the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world. So mm-hmm. it has been really, really tough for, um, uh, emerging writers, um, to get agents or publishers to take a chance on them at this point, just because of the instability. So I think, you know, there is that, or that, you know, impetus to think, uh, just anybody, but it is going to be a working relationship. So, you know, Definitely. and I think a lot of agents are very aware of that. So it's like, is this someone who, 
you know, uh, not only like they may think it's a strong manuscript, but like they may also think, okay, well, I've got like other people on my roster who write similar things, um, mm. you know, that I, that I've already been invested in. Um, you know, it can even be like, you know, the example I always give my students, though, like you send a story in and it's got a main character named Mike and they just broke up with someone named Mike <laughs> yes. story yeah. totally differently. So, you know, there's, there are all those factors that, you know, sort of come into it, but I agree there can be, uh, you know, especially when there's something that you really, really want having that, um, not pan out can really, um, I think it derails a lot of people and, you know, as, as of course, you know, it derails anybody. Um, but you know, the thing, the thing to keep in mind as well is that like, that's just the first step. (laughs) Exactly. when you move on to like publishing, when you do get your agent and you get your book published or whatever, then all of a sudden you are not, it's not that you're being judged by someone who can like, you know, be the difference between your book getting published or not, it's readers. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, um, a million times, uh, I take it a million times more personally, um, because you know what, this is what I do. I write for readers. You know, I want someone to pick up my book and read it and enjoy it. I don't want them to pick it up and read it and be like, oh, that was a waste of time. Like that to me is way way worse. So this is the reason I don't go on Goodreads because (laughs) yeah, I mean, I know a lot of writers who have much thicker skin than I do in this respect Mm -mm. because, you know, they say, okay, I'm going to write what I write. And if you like it, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, they tell themselves that I'm sure like there is. (laughs) I don't think anybody is really. (laughs) Yeah. Like I know writers who have like Google alerts on their name and stuff like that and they'll check their Amazon like ranking and all that stuff right. I don't I don't I feel like um you know the analogy I was use is that like I, I write my book and it's like I'm raising my kid and sending it off to college and then I'm like I hope I did the best that I could but you're on your own out there now <laughs> and yeah. I hope that you represent me well but like I can't control how you are received by readers so me dwelling on that is not going to be healthy for me going forward writing my next book because this is something that like it's a career you have to sustain it right so I think you know especially when you're a beginning writer and you've written your first manuscript and you just want to get it out there you're not really thinking beyond that you're thinking all I need is to do is like get this first step over with but like once you've done that and once you have a couple of books under your belt then all of a sudden you're thinking long game right you're thinking right the future how do you keep yourself motivated and how do you keep yourself, um, engaged in your career and, and your writing and excited about it, um, without getting dragged down by all of this outside, you know, social media and Goodreads. And yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it can be really hard to see the, like the forest for the trees kind of thing yeah. at that point. So, you know, for me, it's, it's better to shut off I'll read it. I get, I get my husband to vet my reviews for me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like if it's, if it's a, you know, a, a big review, like if it's in, um, you know, the global mail or something, then I'll get him to read it and tell me, right. um, but you know, good reads and stuff like that. I, I tend to stay away from, I feel like that's for readers, you know, that's not for writers. Um, exactly, it's for readers yeah. to go and talk about books. And I love that. I love that about it. And I love that they have that freedom to do that on that, in that forum to do that because talking about books is super fun. And I yeah. love doing that too. Um, and I don't necessarily want the author listening in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you make such a good point, right? Because I do think that those kind of things influence like how you, you move forward writing. And I've heard stories of authors saying that, you know, they adjusted their writing to what the readers said that they wanted for their next yeah. books. And then their next books were flops because that was a small percentage of 
what people wanted, but the real dedicated readers who come to the book, you know, the book signings who are pre-ordering, they don't give a shit about all that. They want your authentic work. Um, So that brings me to a question where, you know, now you have, we're all in this together, who's, that's been adapted into a feature film, which is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. This was actually your first book. So was there kind of a period of time where, you know, I know when it came out, it it won a bunch of awards. It was very, very well received, but then, you know, the attention dies down and then your second book comes. Was there ever a time that you were worried, especially where your story, you know, really was centered in Canada? So, you know, if we know statistically, they don't (laughs) tend to have as far reaching an audience, unfortunately, Did you ever find that there was a time that you were just like struggling, thinking like, I just wish this was able to reach readers further or that there was a a wider appeal for it. And then, you know, out of the woodwork comes this, you know, feature film. Was there that time that like kind of those feelings were justified? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think of it like I think the struggle for me is less like I wish that this book would do more. And it's more thinking about like, what is the point of the next one? (laughs) That is my mental hurdle. So, you know, I do when I when I, you know, have my moments of doubt or like I get down on myself, which I mean, everybody does. And I think, you know, the catalyst for that is is different for everybody. But for me, it was more like um, you know, what is it new that I have to say in this next book? Um, what is it, you know, am I just sort of rehashing the same story? Am I, you know, uh, like maybe I, I, I am just like a one and done kind of person, um, which was just happened. And it's just, you know, there is a lot of like, you know, especially as, you know, like my second book came out and now I'm, you know, I'm almost finished my third one thinking about the fourth and, you know, we're in this, you know, massive state of crisis in the world. And Mm -hmm. so it is, you know, for me, it's, it's more questioning, like, what is the point of the, especially the type of fiction that I read? Like, is the, is there a space in the world for that? You know, is there, why am I doing this? Um, Sort of of reevaluating, you know, my own relationships to my writing rather than thinking about, you know, obviously I'm always very excited to reach more readers at any point. And I mean, I think the, Mm -hmm. the thing with the film was, is that, um, uh, you know, it, it became this like symbiotic relationship in a way because, um, you know, it basically came about because um, the woman who adapted it, Katie Boland, she's a she's an actress and a filmmaker, a director. She wears all of these hats. Um, she's right. also a writer and she has a collection of, of short fiction as well. And she, but she was looking for material to adapt. And, you know, she ended up getting my book put in her hands and we ended up being really um um, great collaborators like I didn't really like I didn't help with the script or anything like that but we right. talked quite a bit about it and you know I I um you know I was sort of the type of person who was like okay that's yours now <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I don't want I was just like like I can't even there's so much of the story I can't even remember like when I watched the film I was like oh yeah that happened um <laughs> because you know I I yeah, like I put it out there and then I move on and I'm, I'm on to the next thing. So, you know, I gave her free like creative control. We talked about it quite a bit. Um, but, you know, she was coming to it, like not sort of knowing that it had, you know, quite a big readership <laughs> when it first came out. And, uh, you know, I think during the process of her, like 
um, developing it, she, you know, she realized that there was that already that built-in audience for it, which right. um, I think in turn, now that the film is coming out in the world and people are seeing it and then coming back to the book. So I, I really like that sort of, you know, that give and take of that is that like, you know, it's bringing different, you know, I'm bringing the book's audience is coming to the film and the film's audience is coming to yes. the book, which, which I really, really like. And, and, you know, I, they're not the same, like they're totally, I mean, when you watch it, you're like, yes, this is definitely based on this book, yeah. but it, you know, she brings her own, her own perspective to it and her own vision and her own, you know, magic creativity to it. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, I, I don't see it as, you know, a, like, obviously it's an adaptation, but I see it more as a continuation, I think of, of that and like a dis distillation of it as well, because, you know, the book is like 400 pages. So <laughs> yes. The movie is an hour and a half. So, you know, there's quite a bit that she had to cut out and distill. So, you know, mm. she had to choose, um, you know, what storyline to sort of focus on. Um, so yeah, in that, in that respect, it is sort of a, like a distillation of it, um, as well as, as an extension. So it's been really, it's, it's just been such an amazing experience, not only to see the film, but like to go through the whole process and to sort of, um, you know, understand how that uh, sort of symbiotic relationship works. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting because I think, I think that's a very kind of a shrouded in mystery thing for a lot of writers <laughs> because we hear, you know, you hear snippets about people who have had their, their books um, adapted and then you've got your your JK Rowlings who you know are like at the head you know uh, head table um, and then you have uh, uh, authors like Lee Bardugo who you know she was you know kind of demanded to be on set but was still well received and then you hear other people who say like didn't even know it was being adapted. I just got to check some like one day and signed a piece of paper and okay, I guess it's coming out. Um, so that's really, really interesting. And I do love that, you know, having a Canadian novel adapted by, cause she's Canadian, correct? She is. Yeah. She's, she's from Toronto and yeah, it was developed through the Canadian film center, the Harold fund funded it. So yeah, I mean, the one thing that I didn't know when I went into the process, I mean, I guess I kind of had an idea because I had had work option before, but, um, and I had this impression that like, yeah, it's, it is quite rare that it actually pans out, but I didn't, I don't think I understood how, how rare, rare it was <laughs> and how, you know, um, really, you know, Katie was sort of po like posed to, you know, and in a very good position to do this. Like she was at a point in her career where this was kind of the next step. So she was very smart, very savvy in the way she went about everything. She, you know, took all the, all the right steps, made all the right moves. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, back to what you were saying about like the way that, um, you know, different writers are involved in, in their, in the script. Like for me, that was part of the negotiating process in the option agreement was, you know, how much I wanted to be involved in how, you know, right. I think for her, um, you know, the, the real appeal of it was that I was like, you take it <laughs> because, yes, yeah. um, you know, as, as a first time screenwriter and first time filmmaker, she, I mean, she's made, she made shorts before, but this was her first feature film as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she wanted that full experience of being able to adapt it herself. And, um, you know, even though we did like converse about it and talk about, you know, the themes and some of the ideas and the characters or whatever, like it was fully hers to, to adapt. And that was, Right. That was outlined completely a very detailed outline in the contract was you know, how that was going to happen. And, you know, um, giving like I think I I was 
given a consulting credit or something like that. But other than that, I was like, it's totally yours. Um, Mm. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I I had to, you know, it wasn't too difficult for me to let it go, but there were moments where I was like, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm letting go of this thing that was such a huge part of me for so long. (laughs) But I think, I mean, I think you're going to experience that all through making a book. I think we often think of bookmaking as being a very solitary practice, which it is in theory. It's very isolating. It's very solitary. But once you get that publishing deal, you're not making this book alone. You are, (laughs) you know, I was actually thrilled when I got to get my book off my desk and give it to my editor and say, please take it. <laughs> I can't, yes. I can't with it anymore. Take it. And, but then at the same time, when they come back with their edits and their, you know, interpretations, you've got to, you can't, you know, be like, well, but this is mine. And it, 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 you have to really learn how to work with a team to help create, you know, your book. So it's very similar to that of being able to just say at some point, let it go. They know yes. what they're doing and let them work their magic with it kind of thing. Yeah. And this is also going back to like, you know, that good fit that we were talking about before is that like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think a good editor will not only look at the manuscript and judge that on its, um, on its merits alone, but also how well they can work with the author. Cause I know, like, I mean, I'm, I've been working with the same editor since we're all in this together. And, um, you know, I think had I been, you know, a little bit less easy to work with on the first one, (laughs) there may not have been a next one. Right. Um, Right. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm very lucky to have an editor who um, is able to sort of see, you know, through the mess of those first drafts and see what, what it is that they can be and what it is that I'm going for, which I think is a really, it's a super important thing to have someone, you know, whether it's your editor, your agent, or even just your like first reader or whoever might be, who is coming to it through looking at it through the lens of what it is they know that you're trying to create as opposed to sort of imposing other things on it, you know, or what the market might want or something like that, which, um, you know, as you, as you mentioned before, is never going to work out if you're writing to someone else's idea or or to the market's idea or what you think this one particular reader is going to want. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been fantastic. We're going to close out our chat today with a segment I like to call our weekly fuck yeses. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we're going to share our fuck yes moment from the week uh, or the last week or so where something unexpected or expected went really, really right. And, you know, you deserve to celebrate it big or small. And I think that these moments, I especially this day and age where everything is burning around us and it feels like it's, <laughs> it feels a little guilty to be celebrating anything. I think it's important to still take a moment to, you know, pat ourselves on the back. So what would be your uh, fuck yes from this week? From this week? Well, um, I'm a very deep and almost finished a revision right now. And it's a huge structural revision of my next book. And um, I reached the end. (laughs) Um, No, I didn't reach the end. I reached the end in the sense that like, now I'm going to have to go back to the beginning once more and read through. So I'm not, I haven't submitted it to my editor or anything like that yet, but I, I got to the end, uh, when I was doing this like big restructuring, reorganization, moving Mm. stuff around, I got to the end. So now I just have to go through and like, 
you know, polish everything out, make sure there's probably going to be a chapter in there where it says stuff happens because I have a tendency to do that and then forget. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I, and I, I got to the end. And so that to me, um, this has been going on for a few months now. So, um, it definitely feels like, like a big weight has been lifted off. So that's more than a little fuck. Yeah. I think it's, that's a a huge (laughs) fuck. Yeah. And also the most relatable thing personally for myself right now, because I definitely, I am going through structural edits as well. And I was literally reading them today and I'm going through and I'm putting all my, you know, flowery language in. And I come to a sentence that says, enter memory about childhood here. (laughs) That's exactly what I do. If this this is what people actually knew writing was, that it wouldn't seem so like mythical. Like this is what what writing really is. Yes. (laughs) Remember to enter story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Well, Amy, let our listeners know where they can find you on the interweave to stay up to date, especially with the new book coming in a little while. Where can we all find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Amy Laura Jones. I'm pretty active on there. I post everything that's, that's happening. not only in my writing life, but in everything else. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find me there at Amy Laura Jones on Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, where can also, where can we watch, uh, or get snippets of the film? Um, together right as of now um it's doing the festival circuit so every now and then it'll be available online through that because of because of covid you know a lot of festivals have been making their stuff online um i don't think there's anything at the moment but whenever there is i always post it on twitter um and you you know sometimes it can be um like location specific so when it was playing at the victoria film festival it was available in bc for instance um so uh yeah i'll put all that information up and then hopefully you know sometime um in the next little while we'll hear about some wider distribution and again i will uh, i'll let people know about that thank you amy thank you for listening please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you find your favorite show. Thank you again, and until next time, Lonely Writers, be well.